This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. All right, it is my pleasure to be sitting down to compose the first internet-only version of Radio Parallax. I am really pleased with the great job that Graham Smith has been doing, hosting uh, the terrestrial broadcast versions of this program. We, of course, did leave open the possibility that in an emergency, such as a uh, crisis for studying for midterms, Graham could hijack this program and air it per the traditional means. But we're pretty sure that that's never going to happen. So, my dear listener, internet or otherwise, let's have a little fun as we've had for the past 13 years. I'd like to note before we get down to business that I had a chance last week to actually be up on stage with someone I admire very much. James Randi made an appearance down at Ohlone College in Fremont. And as I hope you're aware, Mr. Randi has made a career uh, in recent years, actually in recent decades, of debunking the phonies out there. The frauds and charlatans like Yuri Geller and religious con men like Robert Tilton and Peter Popoff. One of the targets that uh, the amazing Randi has had in his crosshairs are the purveyors of homeopathic remedies. We've talked about these nostrums on the program in past years, particularly when we spoke with Simon Singh, author of Trick or Treatment, and have striven to point out to you, dear listener, that uh, if homeopathy is correct, if its 19th century goofball scientific theories are correct, then we must be wrong with our current thought regarding physiology, chemistry, biochemistry, medicine, and for that matter, physics. If you're going to lay money that one of those is wrong, bet on homeopathy. During Randy's excellent two-hour performance down Ohlone, and, and mind you, he's an 87-year-old man, very vigorous, sharp as a tack. He asked at one point if there was a doctor in the audience. I raised my hand and immediately regret it when I realized I was the only one raising his hand. But after that initial pang of regret, I went up on stage and assisted Randy when he brought out a bottle of homeopathic pills. Now, of course, contrary to the laws of physics, the people that advocate for homeopathy claim that it works better and is stronger and more efficacious the more dilute it is. They perform dilutions of these so-called medicines uh, up to like 10 to the 30th power. With things that dilute, you might well imagine that an overdose is pretty much an impossibility. And this is something that Randy proves when he goes up on stage, swallows the whole bottle of sleeping pills, and has the audience observe that he's fine. At any rate, we are in contact with James Randy and hope very much that um, sometime next month we will be able to bring him on this program. I certainly hope so. He would be a wonderful guest to have. And no, if you're keeping score, he did not betray even the slightest amount of sleepiness after ingesting the whole bottle of pills. Do not try that with real medicine. We also hope very much to bring you David Talbot sometime next month. His current book, The Devil's Chessboard, is getting a lot of play in certain circles, at least Democracy Now! Amy Goodman is talking to him. Michael Krasny over at Forum on KQED has put David on. Our friend Russ Baker at whowhatwhy.com has published a multi-part series related to the book. David also made an appearance on the Commonwealth Club earlier this week. But, unfortunately, this riveting book is not getting the full publicity that it deserves. We will do what we can in our own small way to rectify that, hopefully by having David come on again sometime next month. 
the real-life story of uh, Alan Dulles ranks probably right up there with anything that came out of the fertile mind of Ian Fleming, particularly when we get to the most controversial part of the Devil's Chessboard, which points out the connections between Alan Dulles and some of the people who were lurking in the background regarding the assassination of John F. Kennedy. David Talbot believes that Alan Dulles was, in fact, the chairman of the board of the plot. This, I think, explains why it is he's not getting the play in the media that um, he should, because, well, that topic is the, is the third rail of American politics. The notion that there was a coup d'etat in America back in 1963, well, that upsets people. And sometimes when people get upset, they'd prefer to think of other things. But we'll return to it next month. You can count on that. All right, our quote of the day for today's program, and this has to be Radio Parallax first, comes from Flavor Flav, erstwhile member of Public Enemy. This quote comes in the wake of Texas high school student Ahmed Mohammed getting taken into custody when his homemade clock was eyed suspiciously by school authorities as a possible bomb. Now, as you may have noticed, this action produced a media storm. Local authorities uh, faced accusations of Islamophobia. Gee, do you think? And uh, support for Ahmed and his fledgling love of engineering rolled in, including an invitation from President Barack Obama to visit the White House. But we have to agree with New Scientist magazine that the last word on this matter does come from Flavor Flav, who is known for wearing wall clocks as jewelry. And thus our quote from the rapper's tweet in the wake of that incident down in Texas, wherein he said, Stop clock blocking. We do note that Radio Parallax is against clock blocking. Our quip of the day comes from Billy Collins, who said, One of the ridiculous aspects of being a poet is the gulf between how seriously we take ourselves and how generally we are ignored by everyone else. We fully expect that our pal Dr. Andy Jones has a challenge to that statement. And if Dr. Andy will contact us, we will let him air his rebuttal. Our joke of the day comes from the writers for Seth Meyers, who noted last week, Joe Biden said he thought about showing up to the Democratic debate, but at the end of the day, his head was stuck in a banister. <laughs> if that image doesn't make you laugh, dear listener, there's something wrong with you. All right, we have two good news items of the day for this week's program. First of all, that California has become the first U.S. state to place tough restrictions on the use of antibiotics in livestock. Frankly, this deserves a round of applause. We've been railing against this practice on this show for years. It is stupid. It is wrong. It is counterproductive. It is just, there's nothing good you can say about it. It needs to be stopped. We note that this bill does ban the routine use of antibiotics in healthy animals to prevent infection. This practice has been blamed, noted new scientists, for contributing to widespread antibiotic resistance. Duh! We uh, thought it might be too much to hope that such a bill would get passed through the legislature and signed by the governor, but apparently it's there, and we will continue to see that it gets enforced. We hope so. And then another good news item that we did not see coming at all, there's this. According to Wei Min Wu, a senior research engineer in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering at Stanford, hungry mealworms can recycle styrofoam trash. Now, this may not be a practical solution to the volumes of styrofoam that gets thrown away every year, but uh, nobody really expected that if you fed mealworms styrofoam that they would be able to digest it. But apparently the 
Little larvae do have enzymes in their gut that are capable of turning styrofoam into food. And doggone it, Ms. Miller, we need to travel down to Stanford and talk to these people and see what this is all about. What do you say? Our anecdote for today's program, and although it's not really an anecdote, we're going to try and shoehorn it in anyway, is the fact that numerous Republicans are now admitting that the Benghazi investigation is politically motivated. Gee, what a shock. Now, it is true that in this unfortunate incident, four lives were lost at the Benghazi embassy in Libya. Perhaps some things should have been done differently. I don't know. I haven't studied it. I know the Republicans are just beating the drum for Hillary Clinton's emails. By the way, these same Republicans didn't notice anything amiss when we invaded the country of Iraq under false pretenses, getting thousands of Americans killed along with hundreds of thousands of Iraqis and opening the door to the current conflagration in the region involving ISIS. That was not deemed worthy of investigation, but Benghazi, that just continues to drag on. Of course, we do have to hand it to the Republicans. They do know how to go for the juggler. When Monica Lewinsky was made a national figure back in 1998, the real goal was not to impeach Bill Clinton and put Al Gore in the White House. It was to drive a wedge between Al Gore and Bill Clinton, and in that, it succeeded. Had Gore run with Clinton at his side back in the year 2000, he would have been elected president. And Mr. Millen hastens to add, and would have been able to take office, because, in fact, he did win anyway. Yeah, let me clarify that. He would have won so decisively that they couldn't have stolen the election with their chicanery in Vermont and Florida. Our stat of the day, and it's a rather sad one, is that American gun makers nearly doubled their annual production of guns between 2009 and 2013, from 5.6 million firearms manufactured to 10.9 million. Although Congress has passed no new gun laws since 2008, the surge in sales was fueled by the belief that President Obama was going to ban all or most guns. And a question we've been posing on this program for some time is, although we regard the NRA as a powerful lobbying force, they don't have money. The NRA doesn't make money by its activities. So who, who are the money people that basically hire all these lobbyists that the NRA uh, sends out and about? Well, it would stand to reason that the people that are making all the dough would be the people funding this, wouldn't it? America's gun makers? Well, we certainly suspect so. At any rate... Let's move on, shall we, to the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week a few weeks back for TAG after a Washington school district lifted its ban on playing tag during recess following lobbying by parents. School officials in Mercer Island said they had prohibited the game to ensure students, quote, physical and emotional safety, unquote. We need to have a talk about helicopter parenting on this program in the future. There's apparently become a widespread belief in this country in recent decades that children should be prevented from bumping up against anything that might in any way threaten their safety, be it physical or emotional. On the other hand, it was a bad week last week for congressional ethics, and I just, just, just have to love this story. Apparently, Representative Bob Brady, Democrat of Pennsylvania, stole 
a half full glass of water that Pope Francis drank from during his address to Congress. Brady then apparently went back to his office and used the water to bless his staff and family. Representative Brady, I, I, I can't say that I've been a good Catholic, having fallen away from the religion once I turned about 16 and logic kicked in. But I can assure you that's not how it's supposed to work. And finally, it was an ugly week a couple weeks back for scientific outreach with the news that conservative pundit Rush Limbaugh declared that NASA's recent discovery of flowing water on Mars was likely part of an ongoing plot to advance, quote, a leftist agenda, unquote. One which Limbaugh notes, quote, has something to do with global warming, unquote. At any rate, speaking of Republican scientific illiterates, what I think I'll do now is take a break and come back in our second segment and re-air a chat we had, sadly, 10 years ago basically 10 years ago to the week, with Chris Mooney. He had a book out then titled The Republican War on Science, and it's disheartening to note that not much has changed in the past decade. You can watch Republican debates till the cows come home, and you're not going to see anybody address the issue of global warming. This is regarded as a hoax by Republicans, based on, I think, first, last, and in the middle, their own wishful thinking. Thus, I'm pretty confident that most of what Chris Mooney had to say 10 years ago is unfortunately still relevant in 2015. Then in our third segment, I'll come back and re-air something that is also sadly still relevant, um, our interview with John Stauber about the book he put together with Sheldon Rampton titled Toxic Sludge is Good for You, subtitled Lies, Damn Lies, and the Public Relations Industry. That's how they're doing it, getting their message across. These, uh, you know, people like the Koch brothers by hiring good PR firms. At any rate, let's take a short break, shall we? This is Radio Parallax, and I'm Douglas Everett. 